Hi, hello, sweet listeners, and welcome back to the In the Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Victoria. You can find me on Instagram at Vic in the Meadow and TikTok at Thick Sauce. And today we are talking about finding purpose, not having it figured out, figuring out what you want to do with your life and if you even need to figure that out. I don't know, y'all. I have a lot of thoughts on this topic and I have been having a lot of thoughts on what my quote-unquote purpose is in life, where I'm finding meaning in life, etc. First, my little personal update that I've started doing at the start of every episode. I am very happy to report that I am feeling much better than I was last episode when we chatted. My anxiety is feeling more manageable with my health anxiety. I'm trying to live more in the present and not worrying about the future appointments I have coming up. And as of today, when I'm recording this, I am having a good day. So I will take it and I will run with that. Not too much new has been on the horizon other than a little bit of home decor and book shopping for spooky season, which if you've been listening throughout the summer, you know that I've been saving up a little bit of my budget because this is my favorite time of the year. And if you also follow on Instagram, you probably know I love Snoopy. It reminds me of my dog that I had, Boo, just with like the coloring, the demeanor. I collect Snoopy seasonal stuff, I suppose. Mostly Snoopy fall and Halloween, but I do have some cute Snoopy Christmas mugs as well. I went on down to HomeSense specifically with the thought in mind of finding some bowls because over the years I have dropped a lot of dishes and my bowls, I seem to have dropped or broken while doing dishes the pair to all my bowls. So I have three bowls, one small bowl, one medium sized and one big bowl. I'm just the uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears here. One is like pretty scratched up and almost broken. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe I can find some nice fall bowls because I like to use my fall and Halloween dinnerware all year round. That's my preferred serotonin inducing dinner plate of choice. And I lucked out so well at Winners and Home Sense. I ended up finding these super cute, it says it's like a bamboo made it like it's not a ceramic it's not a plastic it's apparently some bamboo fiber these bowls that are peanuts fall so there's snoopy and all the little peanuts friends and they're playing in the leaves and then there was four bowls so very exciting little fall find and i thought i had put myself on a snoopy fall and snoopy halloween mug buying ban because i have at least eight however I was going to the checkout and you know how they have, if you have ever been to a home sense, Marshalls or Winners, you know when you're going to the checkout and they just have the aisles of stuff while you're waiting and there wasn't even anyone in front of me, but I have to check out the aisles of stuff while I'm going up because I am a mere victim of capitalism. I did in fact get another Halloween Snoopy mug, but... It is so cute and different from the others. It's a black mug with Snoopy on the front and little ghosts all over it. And it says, boo! I cannot pass up anything that says boo on it, especially if it's Snoopy Halloween related. So I did in fact get one more Snoopy Halloween mug. And now I'm back on my Snoopy mug ban because I have too many mugs. They bring me a lot a lot of joy year round to use. I also had a really good weekend for uh, booking. Can I use that as a verb? I went to a lot of bookstores this past weekend and it started out with used bookstores in my town and have my favorites. Unfortunately, my favorite used bookstore in my town is closed Sunday, Monday. So it's super hard for me to get out to because it's like 10 to 5 Monday through Saturday and my partner works those hours typically and I, I don't love to go places on my own. So we decided this weekend to check out some other used bookstores in town, which we've been to, but 
Two of them are downtown, downtown, which if you live in a big city, you know, it's so hard to find parking. Parking is expensive. Luckily, my town comps parking if you use a certain code that the city pays for, or there's construction everywhere. And unfortunately, the big one for my anxiety is just the uncertainty and the unexpected of the type of environments and people you come across, which is not to harp on those people at all. I just have a really hard time feeling safe due to a lot of things that have happened to me in my life. So downtown is a big deal and it's a big scary deal for me, but we went and I think I got like 20, at least 20 bucks, which should do me at least a month. So interesting to me though, how bookstore to bookstore prices vary and it definitely varies from independently owned used bookstores versus like Goodwill books, which I went to both. Also went to multiple Goodwill bookstores. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all, but I hit the jackpot. So for my thriller lovers, I always look for three specific authors and that is Ruth Ware, Mary Kubica, and Lisa Jewell. And I hope I'm saying those all correct. I actually discovered all three of these authors, I was supposed to say artists, I, I suppose they are an artist, through used bookstores because often these bookstores do have used books by these authors. And the first store that we went to downtown, the used bookstore, there was so many of all the authors. So I decided to buy one from each of those authors from that store. And I found a, what's her name? Sophie or Sophia Kinsley. Sella, just a cutie little romance author that's often at used bookstores as well. And then I started going into like panic attack mode. So then we left, went home, had a little rest, and we went to another one that's downtown, but more on the edge of downtown. And it's also one of my favorite used bookstores in towns because there are floor to ceiling used books. There's two floors to this bookstore. It's just incredible. Got like Chewbacca life-size standing cardboard cutouts around. Like it's just fun. The vibes are fun. And it's definitely also like the other independent used bookstore we went to a little bit more expensive sometimes. Expensive for used books. I know this is so subjective, I guess, compared to Value Village or Goodwill bookstore prices. We always like to try and support the independents first, of course. So I did find a couple of books there, both by Ellen Hildebrand, I think is her name. She's like a women's fiction, a drama, romance writer. I feel like her target audience is middle-aged women, but I love that content. I am a women's network, lifetime, Hallmark movie lover, and I love that in my books as well. So I ended up finding Hotel Nantucket by her, which is a really popular one of her books. So I'm really excited to read that. And I think that one was $7.50, which is pretty run-of-the-mill for an independent news bookstore. It's just when, like, they get newer releases, which, you know, in the last couple of years, they'll sometimes charge, like, $12.50. Which I will say, a couple of the books I bought from that first store we went to, I did pay the $12.50 because I'm like, you know what? It's still A, cheaper than buying new, and I'd rather support an independent used bookstore than, say, Amazon or Goodwill Books if I don't have to. Anyhow, I did find a Christmas Ellen Hildebrandt book, which was only $3 because if you buy seasonal books out of season, they are so cheap. Because this is segueing me, sorry, I'm just giving you guys a, a book haul, I suppose. We just segueing me into the fact that we did end up going to the Goodwill bookstore and I found, I promise book talk is almost over. I found a Christina Lauren, I think it's called In a Holidays book as well for a couple of bucks. So I am setting aside some Christmas TBR to, to wrap this back around to my spooky books that I found. Aside from the thrillers, I'm gonna just skip to the spooky books I found. I don't know how much people are interested. I found a bunch of other awesome romance 
romance books at the Goodwill bookstore, but then we ended up at Chapters. I originally went because I wanted to visit the Jelly Cats. I love to check in if they get any new Jelly Cats in. I like to say hello to the fun little like sandwich Jelly Cats. But naturally we started browsing and we were browsing. Oh, which reminds me, oh my goodness. I ran into one of y'all at Chapters and she worked there and she came up to me and was so, so sweet. But it also led me to remember that someone messaged me when I first started posting about my podcast back last February that they have experience writing transcripts for podcasts. I had a few people who just said, you know, they can't really like have the attention span to listen to podcasts, but they would love to read it. And this follower let me know that, you know, she wishes she could listen to my podcast, but that she's deaf and isn't able to because of that. And I was like, oh my God, it jogged me back to the transcript comment that someone had messaged me. So anyhow, Hiring someone, unfortunately, not in the budget right now, but I am looking into some automated services to get transcripts going for the podcast so that whether people prefer it or need it to consume the content that they can. Anyway, she was so sweet and cute as a freaking button. Anyways, we were informed that unfortunately Chapters Wi-Fi was being weird, which I feel like happens very often at Chapters, and that they were going to be cash only. Of course, we didn't have cash on us. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we can look and then see if the internet's fixed by the time we're done looking. So we're looking, we're browsing. I did end up finding two witchy paranormal related romances that I really was drawn to pick up. And I was like, ah, I'm not an impulse purchaser. I checked Libby. Neither of them are available through the library because they both just came out this week. The one actually, as I'm recording this, was coming out like September what was it? Sick? I don't know. Sometime in September. And it was still like only September 1st or something. So anyways, 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 it was out on the shelf and I was like, oh my gosh, it's not even supposed to be out yet. But it was a Meg Cabot book. And I can't remember the name of it right now. And I'm not going to go walk across my house to find it, but it's a purple cover. New, new release just came out in September. And I love Meg Cabot books. She writes kind of like often young adult fiction, but I just love her writing style. It's so easy, lighthearted. But anyways, there was a purple, beautiful cover with like a witch on the front and it's something about witches and it just sounds wholesome, lovely Halloween town vibes. So I was like, okay, I really want that. And then I saw this cover and it said something like, my roommate's a vampire. I'm so sorry, y'all. When I read these, I will give and write down in my book like author and actual title. And I'll post them on my Instagram story when I get to them. I'm trying to save them for October. It's called like My Roommate's a Vampire or something, which also came out just at the end of August. The concept just seems so fun. When I was, I was like, man, like August, you know, I was being good financially and had a bit of fun money at the end of the month, which hasn't happened in a while. And I was like, I actually kind of want to treat myself and get myself these books. So we like moseyed up to the counter and we were trying to spy and see if anyone was paying with card. And we saw someone, so we went up and asked, like, oh, are the debit machines working? She was like, you know what? It's really hit or miss. Some people it is, some it isn't, some banks it is, some isn't. She's like, grab the books and try. So I was like, you know what? You're right. My partner had a book as well he wanted to buy. And we were like, okay. If it goes through, it was meant to be. If it doesn't, it wasn't meant to be. And they both went through. So I feel no guilt. I feel very happy about my spooky book purchases. And I'm really excited for, y'all know, fall, Halloween, spooky season, feeling festive. I just had a really good weekend with finding books. So currently I'm working my way through the books that I ordered from Book Outlet, which is another great place to find new books for super great prices under $10. Anyhow, 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 that's what's new with me. I was really excited to talk about that. So I hope that wasn't too boring for the non-bookish people. That's really what's been going on 
in my life lately. Still chugging away at Gilmore Girls. I am now in season four. No spoilers, but obviously Rory grows up. So Rory is now at university. I won't say where, because I know a couple of you said you're doing Gilmore Girls, like watching, not a rewatch, for the first time ever, which I think is so fun. The show holds up in my opinion. So anyways, I'm just chugging along through Gilmore Girls. Haven't started my Halloween movie watch yet. Trying to save that for when we're not in a freaking heat warning because it is once again like 30 degrees today. Like it is September, come on. That's some beef with mother nature. But I'm doing well today is what I want to say. I don't know how I'll be doing tomorrow, but today I'm doing well. So with that being said, let's hop into our chat on finding purpose, figuring out what life means to me. That sounds really deep. I promise it's not going to be that deep. Something that I've been pondering lately is how my sense of identity and purpose has ebbed and flowed throughout my life and especially recently changed and how I'm feeling kind of lost at 27. I think that growing up when I was in school, I was very book smart. I liked school. I liked learning. I was a people pleaser. I liked the praise. I liked doing well in school. Throughout school, I guess my identity kind of centered around that, right? Preparing for high school, then preparing for university, applying to university, which is where everything falls apart, which we will get to. Just that to say that when you're younger, there isn't so much the grander scheme of finding purpose yet. I think it for a lot of people, it's that last year of high school when you start thinking about being an independent adult, where you start really thinking about your identity and what you want to do with your life and not just career-wise, but in general, who you are, what matters to you. Once all the stress fades of school and you're left figuring out like, who am I though? And most recently, what kind of made me wanna talk about this aside from some people messaging and recommending it was the big shift that I've been having and how I'm feeling kind of lost at this point in my life with identity and purpose. And I know I talk about it ad nauseum, but when I lost my dog, Boo, I was hit obviously with a tidal wave of grief, but also just like a, well, what do I do now feeling? Boo was my baby and I really need, those of you that do have kids that maybe don't understand, to try and empathize and understand. Ever since I got him, I knew he was a high needs dog. They communicated that with me at the rescue. I said, you know what, all good. I work part-time hours at my day job, so we're good with that. And while I was married, having Boo was a little bit easier. We had another dog. He was a dog's dog and he felt comfortable being home alone as long as he was crated and with another dog chilling with him. But when I went through my separation and divorce and I was living alone, Boo had a really hard time with that transition into being the only dog. Oh, so throughout the last you know year and a half or so that I had him since that occurred, my whole world shifted and changed. I did lose a lot of friends and people that didn't understand throughout that, which is just the natural selection of life. I had a lot of other change going on and there was a point where when everything first happened, my mom was coming over on weekends. She was having sleepovers to watch Boo so that I could go to work and just bang out a few really long days. She would come once in the week as well for sleepovers so that I could get to work and she could watch him. And then the place that I was working actually ended up closing down. And so I went to just find an independent office. I was like, okay, I have to find somewhere that's dog friendly because like, I can't have my mom driving 45 minutes to my apartment multiple times a week. And at the time she was kind of giving up driving because she has some vision problems. So my stepdad was having to drive her. It was a whole thing. Weather would make it difficult. It was also in 
freaking January, February, which if you're Canadian, that's the worst of our winters. So anyway, by the time summer rolled around, I was finding an office. I was so lucky to find just the perfect office in my neighborhood, less than like a kilometer from home that agreed to let Boo come with me, which was so wonderful both for me and for Boo because Boo got to be around so many more people and become so much more trusting of people, which was really hard for the little guy. And my clients loved it so much. Boo was so loved. Anyhow, that to say, everything I did, I had to consider Boo. I started doing click and collect groceries because Boo obviously can't come in the grocery store. I found a pharmacy that was dog friendly so he could come in with me and I set up his doggy profile there because Boo did have some human grade medications he was on. I would specifically look into dog friendly stores, which luckily HomeSense Winners and Marshalls are all dog friendly, so is Chapters, which is essentially the only places I like to go. My world revolved around him. Even when I was booking clients, it was with the thought of, okay, well, Boo needs his breakfast at this time. He's going to need to supper at this time. Medications X, Y, and Z. Then he got sick. In the last couple months of his life, my entire being centered around taking care of Boo. He was on medications every couple of hours. He had bathroom troubles, so we were having to go out at all hours of the night. I was functioning off very little sleep, making sure he was as comfortable as he could be, getting all the medical attention that he needed. So when he passed away and suddenly all of that stopped so abruptly, I realized I didn't have to have the 6.45 alarm anymore because I didn't have Boo to take outside. I could wash my hair at any time because it didn't matter if I had wet hair anymore. I didn't have to go outside at night with wet hair and get a headache because I didn't have Boo anymore, which might sound like positive things, but it's not. I would give anything to have to shower later at night because I had to take Boo outside and I can't go outside with wet hair. All that to say, my sense of purpose suddenly felt so empty. And I remember crying on the phone to my stepdad and my stepdad was a rock throughout the whole grief process. And he worked as a paramedic all his life. So I think he was also just very familiar with death and loss. He always just had so many nuggets of wisdom. And I can remember just venting to him about how I felt so purposeless. And he was great in reminding me many different areas of my life where I do have purpose. But in those moments, especially with emotions so strong as grief, it's really hard to feel that purpose. And that's an extreme example, but I have felt this throughout many times of my life. And now jumping back into talking about when I was done high school and going into university, college, figuring out quote unquote what I wanted to do with my life, how that shifted for me and was a big reality check. For me, being academically smart per se in high school, university was heavily pushed on me. And if you're from the States, I know you talk about university and college a little differently. So up here in Canada, university is our higher level of education. So where you're going four years to get a bachelor degree, doing your master's, PhD, whatever, that is where you go for that type of education. College is where you go for you know, a diploma per se or advanced diplomas. So things like dental hygiene, uh, the trades, etc. My mind is suddenly like, I can't think of any college programs. <laughs> Being in the level of classes that were streamlined to prepare for university in high school, I was pushed by all my teachers and peers to be applying to universities. And I thought, okay, well, naturally that's the path that I have to go down. But at the core of it, I was like, well, I don't know what I want to take. Like, I don't know what I want to do. I was 18. At the time of applying to university, I was 17. I'm like, I can't legally buy alcohol or a lottery ticket. I can't even vote. And you want me to get into like $80,000 of debt signing up to freaking take a degree? No, how the heck do we expect kids to know that? Pressure that is on kids in high school is so incredibly great. And I cannot even fathom ever 
living through that again. <laughs> but so at the time, what happened to me and what my experience was, was I was like, okay, well, I was really into environmental club and wanted to save the world and was in my, I'm still in my vegetarian phase, but I had, was already a vegetarian. I was volunteering with different organizations. I was team save the planet. So I thought, okay, well, my grades aren't like quite environmental science levels, but they were environmental studies levels. Oh, I went ahead and applied to a few different universities in Ontario, one out in, is it Nova Scotia? I think it was called St. Mary's University. I can't, I could be very wrong on that. Some university out east because I was also like, maybe I'll move out east by myself. I don't know. Which in another life, I'm like, that would have been very interesting to see how that went. And I love the east coast and I want to move out to Nova Scotia or the east coast so, 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 so badly one day. I just need to convince my parents to come out with me because I love my mom so much and they're retired. So I'm like, come on people. Anyways, so I applied to school for environmental studies, got accepted and had originally accepted the in invitation. I had accepted the acceptance. I don't know. I accepted my offer. There we go. To go to Trent University in Peterborough in Ontario, if you happen to know where that is. Now I had a lot going on in my 12th grade year. I had a bummy boyfriend who was way too old for me that refused to go to prom with me. I had really bad anxiety. I was signed up to go on a trip with history class to Europe for some anniversary of D-Day to like France and wherever the heck. This is where things started going a little bit awry for me. I want to talk to you about a Canadian company y'all might be familiar with if you've been following for a while that I use as part of my own contraceptive plan, and that's Ovary. Ovary is a gender-neutral reproductive care company offering ovulation, fertility, and pregnancy tests for everybody and everybody. Knowing when you're in your fertile window and tracking hormonal changes like the timing of ovulation with the menstrual cycle is so empowering and helpful to use as a tool for times when you're trying to avoid pregnancy as well as if you're trying to conceive. What makes Ovary unique is that the test strips are nearly completely recyclable and use 95% less plastic than other tests you're probably accustomed to using. The tests are also conveniently sold in bulk, equaling them out to be closer to $2 a test rather than the $20 per test that you might see in single packages in the pharmacy. The love I have for this brand is truly unreal as someone using them to avoid contraception who's tired of seeing pink pregnancy test boxes with babies on the front. Ovary is woman-founded and operated and made right here in Canada. To give Ovary a try or keep their tests on hands for moments that might pop up, you can use code MEADOW10, M-E-A-D-O-W-10, for 10% off site wide. They also have a wealth of other educational resources and information on their site. So head on over to the link in the description and give Ovary a try. And I remember my anxiety was just so unmanageable at the time. And I, you know, at the time couldn't quite unpack all the reasons as to why, but in general, I'm like, oh my God, 12th grade girl, you don't even need a reason. Like there is so much change happening and so much stress placed upon you. But Last minute, I was crying to my mom and I was like, I don't want to go to Europe. I The thought of a flight is terrifying me. The thought of being away for two weeks is terrifying to me. The thought of being with all these strange people, like, no, 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 no. Full spiral. My mom was like, okay, you know what? We're going to lose a bit of money because my parents had paid for it, which again, in hindsight, lots of nuance. Um, and I felt really bad about that, obviously. But in my head, my struggles that I was dealing with was far greater. So, you know, my mom... Said, yep, yep, yep. She called the school, explained it. My history teacher became very, very concerned. She was like, this is really out of character for you. Like, are you okay? So cue later that week, getting called to the social worker's office at my high school, walk of shaming up there, even more anxiety. And I'd never had to meet with a social worker before. And it was like the best thing ever. I'm, I was so grudgeful, if that's a word, to my history teacher at the time for 
calling the social worker to talk to me, but in hindsight, I'm really glad that she did. The social worker had a really nice conversation with me. I let her in on some of the reasons, which I'm not going to talk about here, are related to stupid things like my boyfriend and other mental health issues with phobias that I had that felt a lot bigger than maybe they were at the time. And she was really, really kind to me and gave me a little worry stone that I still have to hold in my pocket when I was feeling anxious and gave me some resources and was really great. But that was the pivotal moment that I remember being like, oh, my life is starting to starting. The cracks are starting. It's starting to fall apart a little bit. That probably would have been about, you know, March, April, maybe of my 12th grade year. So cue, you know, graduation, prom, all happens. And hindsight, really glad I went to prom alone with my gal pals. So happy there's no bummy ex-boyfriend in any of my prom pictures. But I think it must have been around July. It was after graduation happened. I went to my mom and I was like, mom, and I had already like registered for residence at university. Like I had plans to move. I was like, mom, I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. I was like, I don't want to move this far away from you. I don't know anyone there. Who, what was I thinking when I thought I could do this? And at the heart of things, I was like, I'm just going to university because I feel like I'm supposed to. I don't want to sit in a classroom for four years listening to lectures. I'm not built for that. High school has been incredibly stressful learning this way and admitting that that wasn't the best way for me to learn and what I wanted to do with my life, even though I was capable of it, was a really big step. And getting over other people's expectations and being honest with myself where I'm like, okay, put on the brakes before I do something really expensive. Let's take a step back and think about if that's what I really want to do. And it wasn't. And my mom could tell and immediately she was like, oh my God, like we don't ever want you to feel pressure that this is what you have to do. You know, she was like me and your dad and your stepdad, we all went to college. We all went to the college that's, you know, a half an hour from my hometown and they have a great life for themselves. And that moment I took just the biggest breath and was like, okay, I can think for myself for once. And long story short, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And a lot of people ask how I got into the career that I do, which I don't talk about often. If you don't know, I'm a massage therapist. And my mom actually had said like, oh, hey, well, well, you know, what about massage therapy? It's a new program at the college that um, I was looking into near us. And she's like, you really benefited from massage growing up. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I did. And I was like, you know what? Sure. You know, it was a two-year accelerated program, three years into two years, advanced diploma. And I was like, what do I have to lose? Worst case, I don't like it. And I stop going, (laughs) which sounds really simple. But to someone with a lot of pressure on me, being able to accept that it's okay to change your mind was really, really big for me. I applied without much knowledge at all. Immediately, I got waitlisted because, hello, it was two months before the semester started. But within that same week, I got an email saying I was accepted. There was a spot for me. Went out, bought all my books, all the supplies I needed, decided I was going to live at home for that first year, make sure it was, you know, something I actually wanted to do, just commute in. And I lucked out. I know so many people are like, man, like, I just want to find what I meant to do. And while I don't want to say this is what I meant to do, I immediately really enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning about the anatomy, the physiology, being able to help people in their wellness and health journey and really just continued liking it all throughout my school experience. That was a huge moment for me because while that might sound like it was a really quick and easy transition, it was not. I lost 
all of my friends that I had at that time. And I don't say that lightly. I had a core group of me and three other girls in high school that I was best friends with. And all three of them were even more book smart than me. And they were all headed to university. And one now is almost done to be a lawyer. And she broke records with the highest marks at the university where she is attending school, which is incredible. One's a pharmacist and one is doing her PhD in some specific type of history. And I love that for them, but there are parts of life where you go separate ways and down separate paths and you just lose touch with people. And no matter what, transitioning from high school to university or college is a good time to meet new people. It's a good time to form new connections. Often you're moving to new areas, new schools, and there's new people anyhow. But it was sad in those moments too, to lose those friends. There's one who I still talk to here and there and our moms ended up becoming best friends after high school. Uh, but I, I haven't talked to two of those girls like since high school. I see on Facebook that they're both married now and I'm really happy for them. But it is also that kind of sad moment where I'm like, I, I don't know what happened. I don't think it was a judgment thing by any means. Uh, they're, you know, looking down on me for going to college. But at the time, I think I self-imposed some of that on me where I had my own limiting beliefs of thinking that maybe I wasn't worthy of those friendships anymore. But all that to say, that was a huge transition for me. And this brings me to my next point, which is that as I was going through school and building a business afterwards, I placed my entire identity and purpose on career, which I also then learned is a huge mistake. And this is the beauty of your early 20s is learning all of these mistakes, making these mistakes and coming out on the other side of it. And there's just some things where, you know, I can tell you this and say, don't place all your identity on career, but sometimes you just have to experience things and learn them firsthand. I poured everything I knew and had into my career, my Instagram, which the posts are now removed, but it was originally a different name and was started for my business in massage therapy. Specifically, I was also, oh my gosh, I think I, maybe if you're interested, I could do a whole podcast episode on career and work. I, oh, there's so many people that think that online is my job. It's not. It's about less than 10% of my annual income, but it's like not, not a livable income. But anyhow, at the same time, as I finished massage therapy school, I was really interested in infant and prenatal care, which again, if I, if I talk about career in episodes is an interesting juxtaposition from being child-free by choice. Anyhow, I was also doing a certification to become a certified childbirth educator and it encapsulated my entire identity was building my practice and building a practice centered around kind of meshing that with being a childbirth educator, doing perinatal care and infant care. And it was all consuming. And when I say all consuming, I mean all consuming. And this was the days where Instagram was the shit. Everyone was posting, people were still liking, people were still engaging. It was the perfect time to build a community. And while I'm glad I built community and did you know, through way too many hours of screen time on my phone, build up a business that literally all consumed my life. I eat, slept, breathed my business and my career and was constantly seeking continuing education on how I could better myself and my practice, which of course is good. But when that's all you have, you're pouring from an empty cup. I didn't know who I was outside of my job. And that's a really, really big problem. 
problem. It even started affecting my relationships at the time where people were like, you're always on your phone. I'm like, well, I have to be. And like with my job, you have to do unpaid hours to get those clients for paid hours. There's a, there's a whole lot other that goes into that. But that is also where I started branching my social media I guess more recently in the last couple years, once COVID hit, that also was a, a big wake up call to be like, oh, well, I'm not allowed to do my job anymore. So I, I need to find some connection and identity outside of work. And I started posting more about myself on social media and talking about different things, not just constantly advocating for other people, which was my platform for a long time. And honestly, it's just too exhausting. I realized it's okay to not have the energy and mental capacity for that and to need to just work on yourself and heal yourself and slow down. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for slow living, sustainable living, slowing the heck down and recentering your life around you, not just capitalism, which when your life and purpose is centered on career, you're essentially feeding into capitalism, which obviously we live under capitalism. Take a shot every time I say capitalism. And we have to all work and make money. But when that becomes the sole focus of your life, you're missing out on so much more fun of actually doing things that bring you as a person joy. So I guess throughout 2020 forward is where I've really recentered myself and feel like I found a bit more purpose in myself and how I want to live life outside of career. And it was really affirming. Obviously, I don't want to seek all my affirmations from the internet, but it was affirming to post about myself and that be what blew up my following on social media and knowing that people care about just human connection and finding things we enjoy in life more than just work. And I had years of just discovering hobbies, really a lot of revisiting my inner child, healing lots of virtual therapy throughout different lockdowns. If you don't know, during the first lockdown when we weren't allowed to work, I was like, I'm gonna retake up skateboarding. And that is how I had a life-altering injury where I landed wrong doing a manual, even though I had tucked my arms and did everything right. And my left elbow, I just obliterated, dislocated, fractured. And by fractured, I mean like shattered my ulnar radius and ruptured my ulnar ligament and underwent multiple very long painful surgeries, months of physiotherapy, and then having the stress of, oh my God, what if I can't ever do my job again as I have a physical job? So I said, you know what, Victoria, let's cool it on the high risk hobbies. And that is where I refound reading and knitting and art and just having fun. And you know what? High risk hobbies are cool too if you can have those risks, but I will never have full range of motion in my elbow again or full strength. So for me, re-injuring it is not an option. But I also persevered and learned a lot through that injury and rehabilitation to learn that, you know what, who cares? Okay, we all have different abilities, that's okay. I've just done so much time reconnecting with myself and also focusing on living in the present because thinking about the future is scary for a plethora of reasons. But like I talked about in my Child Free by Choice episode, I am Child Free by Choice and thus 
I don't have parenthood or having a family as any sense of purpose in my life either. And like I said, my dog Boo, he was my fur baby and I don't think I'll ever get another dog, which is a whole other conversation, but I am now using it as an opportunity. And I know, it sounds silly, I know Boo would want me to, to just figure out like who I am and what I want to do and what purpose in the future looks like for me as someone who doesn't want to center their life around their job, but also doesn't want kids or, you know, like a family of any sorts. That's been weird. It's been interesting. And sometimes I spiral thinking too much about the meaning or purpose of life and what that looks like, but it's also just been fun. And at the end of the day, I've kind of centered my purpose around like, well, who cares? It, it's not, it doesn't have to be that deep. You don't have to have some larger, overwhelming purpose or goals in life. That, that might sound depressing to some, and I know some people really do thrive off of being goal-oriented, but for me, I've learned as a perfectionist, that ain't it. I need to take life one day at a time. I need to accept that my interests, my sense of self and identity is meant to change throughout life. So what does that look like for me now? And how am I navigating this process of feeling like I'm having an identity crisis and don't know who the heck that I am? A big one for me has been connecting with nature. And this has both been helpful in a self-centering and grief healing process. And so I've been having a summer of sitting on the porch with my birds. If you know, you know, I'm the crazy bird lady. I have a membership at the Wild Birds Unlimited store. I've got the squirrel proof bird feeder and my window bird feeder set up, different foods that I buy for the different types of birds. And it's just been so incredibly grounding and healing. I like to go on different walks and hikes with bird migrations and different places that birds have been spotted. And it's just a nice recentering moment to remember how small we are in the grand scheme of things and how beautiful this earth is and how vast our ecosystems are. And it's just a very humbling moment in my weeks that I really need to remember like who gives a flying heck if you didn't finish answering your emails? Who cares if you didn't meet the goals that you thought you would be at in life right now? Just like who cares the best way possible. Another thing that's been really important for me is being cautious of what I say online and how much time I spend online. Being mindful of what content I'm consuming and trying not to say consume a bunch of the news, which I did for a long time and it was very detrimental in my mental health. And I, like I said, I like to just be the who cares. I don't know play a little dumber than I am person. I tell everyone I live under a rock. They recommend a movie. I live under a rock. I don't know. I don't do things for other people. I protect my peace. And for me, that's really limiting what I consume. I don't want to know what other people are saying are the Amazon must-haves. I don't, I just, I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. It's one of the biggest reasons I stepped back from talking about as much kind of, I don't want to say polarizing, but kind of polarizing content is because I couldn't take the heat. So I got out of the kitchen. Talking about gender identity and sexuality in a personal sense online became way too much. And if you've been here for a while, you probably remember when I would talk about that a lot and advocate for that a lot and maybe wonder why that's missing. And right now I am at a point in my life where I could not handle the hate and the mean comments and the criticism that I was receiving. 
And it's okay to not have the energy to advocate for both yourself and for others sometimes. You can't do it all. We cannot do it all. So I stopped and I thought, okay, I am going to share what I think is the least controversial bits of my existence and reassure people that it's okay to just do what you want to do, be who you want to be without all the nuance. Because like I said, it's okay to not have that capacity. And that's something I've really learned through therapy and figuring out how I want to approach my online presence and present myself. I also learned it's okay to turn your comment settings to be from followers only because y'all that are actually here for me are the ones that I value reading your comments. I value your messages and are the places that I like to form connection and community, but it's the other bits that are not so wonderful and um, exhausting. I've learned to be really, really careful of who I follow, what I consume, putting screen limit time apps, what are, you know what I'm trying to say, on especially TikTok because there's just so much. We are not meant to absorb hundreds of people's lives a day and their opinions, even if it's not, you know, making you feel less, just absorbing all these opinions it's exhausting and it really clouded my vision and my judgment of like who I am and what I want to do versus what I see other people doing and how I want to be perceived. There's so much in just learning to stop caring. Stopping absorbing just so much has been really important for me. Another thing in adulthood that has helped me with identity and purpose has been volunteering, doing things where I'm not getting any financial gain, just, I guess, personal satisfaction and mental enrichment from. So I have always been a big one for volunteering since even high school. I used to volunteer at the hospital. Throughout college, I did some volunteering at Ronald McDonald House, just different places to find fulfillment and explore different topics and avenues that might interest you. But most recently, I did volunteering with Sea Shepherd. I did volunteering with the Greyhound Rescue that I got boo from. There's periods in my life where I don't have the energy for that, like right now where I'm not doing any volunteering. And there's periods of time where I'm volunteering a lot of my time towards that based on how I'm feeling, what I'm needing, and where my cup is at. But when I got into those moments of feeling like career was encapsulating my whole identity, volunteering came in really important. Also was a great avenue to meet new people and like-minded people and form friendships with people who I'm still friends with today that just have a common shared interest, but it's not in per se a workplace setting. And that connection with people is something that I also want to talk about because that is something also just important for finding identity is figuring out who my people are. Like I was saying, we've talked about friendships in adulthood and how that changes, but People are sometimes here for a reason, they're sometimes here for a season, and figuring out what you need and not being afraid of reaching out to bridges that you might think are burned. Reaching out to old friends and forming connections was just really healing to me and important to surround myself with people who get it, people who are at a similar point in life. I've made so many amazing friends online and love connecting with a lot of you to just have that interaction with like-minded people. An exercise that I've also recently been doing and again especially since boo passed away and i really had that moment of like oh my god what is my purpose on this earth what is my identity is journaling and thinking about how i want to be remembered one day and not in a morbid sense but just if i were to have anyone or if anyone was talking about me or people that you know i went to 
college with or worked with or like when I left a space, how they would remember me, how I can better execute that in my life. I realized I didn't want to just be remembered as somebody who is career driven. I want to be known as somebody that helps heal people, but not have that be my whole identity. I want people to think, oh, Victoria, they're so friendly. She loved books. She held space for others. She was an animal lover, an old soul. So many things I want to be remembered for before just what I do or if I had a family. For me, once a month, I like to go through and write a list. And I like to compare and see how it changes of how I want to be remembered, the pieces of my identity that I find important and what I want other people to think of me. It's, it's not in a sense of like what you actually want other people to think of you. It's just highlighting the key points of how others perceive you is what you put out there, right? So what you spend your time doing because you essentially are what you do. Again, not in a career sense, but when it comes to hobbies, etc., that becomes how people perceive you with how you're spending your time. That's why I think it's important to find identity outside of work so that you aren't just associated with, say, being the receptionist at X, Y, and Z or being a student at X, Y, and Z. Learning who you are and what your interests are. And learning that it is okay to want a simple little life. You enjoy the quiet and simple. Being more intentional and just sitting with the mundane, limiting your purchases and decentering yourself to figure out what you enjoy, what you like, what you want to think about. Learning to live below my means has also been a really important part of this and finding identity and happiness outside of just things and buying things. I'm pretty sure I've done a whole podcast on as well, but... Yeah, that's, that's essentially where I'm at today and the pondering that I've done on this topic and how I've got to be, I, I suppose, as confident in myself and my lifestyle as I am. It's just the trials and tribulations of adulthood that naturally has occurred and they're hard lessons to learn sometimes and I hope maybe this podcast can give some people the confidence to stop doing things that they don't want to do and do that life altering change, whether that be in career or family or friendships, whatever it might be. Just take that leap and start living your life for yourself because there is so much pressure from the internet, from family, from friends, from society, from school, whatever it might be. There is so much pressure and I just want you to know that I see you and I hear you and I understand and whether you are diminishing your problems, your struggles are real and your feelings are so real and you're not alone in these feelings and to whatever degree it might be that you're feeling lost or you're feeling like you're not where you should be, stop shutting yourself. We are all in the ebbs and flows of life where things change and nobody really has it figured out. That's okay. And the acceptance of becoming okay with that and knowing that things ebb and flow and change really can bring you a lot of peace and solace. So I hope that this has been helpful for all of you that also just don't really know what's going on. Neither do I. <laughs> That's okay. I know I say it every episode, but again, I'm not a professional. This was just my personal thoughts, my personal experiences. If you're interested in hearing more on, you know, any of the topics I kind of brushed on here, please let me know. I literally plan all my episodes based on recommendations from question boxes and DMs that I get from y'all. I write in my notes app different episode titles, jot notes down in my journal, and... 
here we are. Thank you to those that recommended and asked for an episode on finding purpose and identity and figuring out what you want to do with your life because here we are. That about wraps it up. I am going to go let this process and then edit it and I want to clean my bathroom and vacuum and mop and I'm saying it with positivity because I don't really want to do it but it needs to get done and that's just adulthood now isn't it hope you all have a wonderful day whatever day you're listening to this and you know in the meantime you can find me at big in the meadow on Instagram big sauce on TikTok if you feel so inclined leave a quick rating on Spotify you can just tap it at five stars or y'all are the MVPs that write me reviews on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend, share it on your Instagram story. I appreciate regardless of whether you do any of that or just simply listen. So we will have another new episode next Sunday morning at 7 a.m. I have been consistent with this since I came back, since Boo's death, and I'm really proud of myself. And like I said, this is my favorite part of the week. So I will see y'all next Sunday.